Welcome to the Channel 17 Podcast, a weekly Atlanta Braves discussion podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at ProdLeisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and joining me as always is my father, Tim Floyd. Yeah, great to be with you, Will, on the special holiday edition. Yes. Uh, well, not really. It's our normal weekly, but it happens to be right before Christmas. Right. So, Merry Christmas to all listening to this. Uh, Happy New Year. We hope that if you celebrate it, you enjoyed your Hanukkah, which has recently ended. Uh, we are going to talk mostly about Bob Horner today, continuing our series on great and notable Braves players of the past. We probably need to debate whether Horner is more great or notable. But... Before we get there, the Braves had a real big trade, certainly in terms of dollars. Yeah, one of the largest trades in franchise history, probably in terms of the dollars Absolutely. that they gave up and brought back. And um, you know why I'm talking about it in terms of dollars? Because that's the only way it works. That's the whole idea behind this <laughs> uh, deal. I mean, I assume our listeners speaking, know what it is, but yes. why don't you recap it for us? Technically speaking, the Atlanta Braves traded Matt Kemp to the Los Angeles Dodgers for... Charlie Culberson, Scott Casimir, Brandon McCarthy, Adrian Gonzalez, and Cash. Right. But really what this did was the Braves traded one massive contract with two years on it for four sizable-ish together contracts. Well, Culberson's isn't sizable, but the other three are. Right. That all end after this year. And in fact, the Braves didn't just already put Adrian Gonzalez on waivers and designate him for assignment. That happened after I got the first alert about the trade. And I was like on my phone, texting you looking at it. And then I got the alert. The Braves have designated Adrian Gonzalez (laughs) for assignment. This was entirely financial. Adrian Gonzalez, what are they doing with him? Yeah. They're designating him. But that was, that was part of the deal. Of Mm -hmm. course. Um, It was, I mean, my first thought was, well, why not hang on to him? He could at least be a good, you know, bat off the bench, back up Freeman when necessary. Uh, But that wasn't the deal. He only agreed to the trade if the Braves did immediately Mm -hmm. release him so he could become a free agent. Now, the Braves pay his salary this coming. He has one year left on his deal, and it's a lot of money. So he's essentially a free agent for any team that wants to take him on for basically nothing while the Braves pay his salary. And we should Uh, point out, no one does apparently. Yeah, nobody signed him yet, right, Willie's? I suspect there'd be somebody who'd take a flyer on him. Why not? It's not but like I don't he... think you take a flyer on him while there are multiple free agent first basemen. You got to see how it shakes out. Well, I of mean, course, and I don't he's think he's probably a regular at this no. point in his career. Although as recently as a couple of years ago, he wasn't bad. Like three years ago, he was still. Dan- I mean, this guy is a borderline Hall of Famer, right? Maybe um, he's 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 in the Fred McGriff category, right? Yes. I mean, he's he's had a long, excellent career. Um, and with some ups and downs, but largely very consistent for a long time. But and very very good. We but didn't that want has him. Nothing to do with this trade. The Braves <laughs> have nothing to do with Adrian Gonzalez. That's and not what it's about. What's really interesting is so the Dodgers basically get luxury tax relief because they're that's burdened the key to the whole deal, out. which is the complex finances mm-hmm. now of Major League Baseball. The Dodgers desperately needed to get under the luxury tax threshold this year so they can spend a lot of money next year when the free agent class is bonkers. Um, The Braves, on the other hand, wanted to get out from under Matt Kemp's contract next year. So the Braves actually took on more money this year 
but they're freed up entirely from Matt Kemp's salary next year and any other big obligations. I mean, they're going into the offseason after 2018. Not, oh, I mean, they owe Freddie Freeman, of course, and they've got Tehran on a, a good deal, and they owe Ender Enciarte, and that's about it, right? Yeah. Um, and, but the main point, but that's that's the main financial point. I love the trade because they don't have Matt Kemp right now, not just next yeah. year. And what what's so great about that is uh, I got so tired of watching him uh, flounder in left field and ground into double plays. Uh, but more importantly, they now clearly have a spot for Ronald Acuna. Yes. I mean, there, there's no reason not he shouldn't have a starting job out of spring training. Except for the service time issues, and so don't be surprised if he spends the first three weeks playing for the Gwinnett, what you call them? The Stripers. Um, the Stripers. You will never um, remember that. No, and I, I, <laughs> I'll make it a point not to. Um, but but Acuna will be the Braves, right. either right fielder or left fielder. We'll see how that shakes out. And I assume the Braves would still get rid of Marcakis if they yes. could make a deal this offseason. But, but you don't it's need not as urgent. to necessarily, I would say. Um, the the main thing is, before this trade, everybody was saying the Braves have to get rid of either Marcakis or Kemp. Kemp's absolutely untradeable with that deal um, in the miserable second half he had last year. So I guess they'll try to find somebody who's willing to take Marcakis. Well, this this frees that up. If they can get a good deal for Marcakis, take it, obviously. Yeah. He doesn't figure into their future. He's got a year left on his contract. Um, they don't have any corner outfielders in their system beyond Acuna, they're going to have to have somebody to play out there if they get rid of Marcakis, but that's not a problem. Marcakis is replacement level, basically. So, And um, we should point out that the Braves actually got three possibly useful pieces as well. Well, that's the other part of the deal. It's not. It, it's, it's very much like what they did in the last offseason in getting some pitchers who had established major league success in the past, um, iffy because of injuries or age or whatever, but you might get some productivity out of them. Braves did that last year, of course, with Cologne and Dickey and Garcia. Two of the three actually did kind of what they wanted and expected out of them. One was a big bust. Well, the Braves have two this time. On the other hand, I'd say McCarthy probably is a better pitcher than anybody we've mentioned so far right now. Well, I would say this. Both Brandon McCarthy and Scott Casimir at times in the past would have had a chance of being called the most talented pitcher in baseball. Fair? Yeah. Yeah, Kazmir. Uh, but never the on, best, but maybe no, most talented. They, they were they were in they were in the running and 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 they've it's been a long time since Kazmir was good because of, you know, just terrible injuries and he may never pitch again in the major leagues worth a damn, who knows, but we'll see. McCarthy uh, actually pitched quite well for the Dodgers last year and right at 100 innings or a little less. Um he had he was coming off Tommy John from a couple of years ago, and I think that fully recovered. But he had all kinds of other injuries, mm-hmm. um, none of which I think are likely to impact him this year. McCarthy could be it, even with the limited innings last year, he still put up more wins above replacement than anybody in the Braves rotation. Yeah. <laughs> right. So there's that, and I also think uh, Charlie Culberson is worth mentioning here, not because Charlie Culberson will be a great player. But it's interesting to include him because he can play shortstop. Right. He's hit okay enough at AAA stops. He's never really had extended periods in the majors. That this is a guy who might be a replacement level player. 
And the Braves I'm actually more were skeptical lacking about that. Culberson. Part part of the thrill on Culberson is he had a couple of great moments in the postseason right. for the Dodgers the last but couple of years. What I'm saying is, but as a utility guy, hell, he's better than Jace Peterson showed. Exactly. He's certainly better than Emilio Bonifacio. He's better than Danny Santana. So yeah, that's Although, all. Here we got Danny Santana on a minor well, contract on a minor league deal. Anyway, yeah. but that doesn't guarantee him a spot. He's still in the organization. He almost certainly like doesn't have a spot. If they really cared about him, they would have offered him arbitration, which they didn't. <laughs> they right. let him go. Nobody picked him up. So, yeah. Maybe I'd be this happy is never to see Danny Santana in a Braves uniform again. The guy, he might be a great guy. He's He contributes defensively, but offensively I, I think the guy can't is, hit major league pitting. This pitching. is trying to make him a coach. That's my theory. Maybe that's it. I don't know enough about that. But hey, Danny, the bottom you're line is, training. I really like this trade. I've heard some yeah. people on the internet and all say the Braves were just doing the Dodgers a favor because it's a great deal for the Dodgers too. They, it was crucial to get yeah. into that luxury tax threshold, and it was a creative way to do it. And the Braves took people that didn't figure into the Dodgers' plans this year anyway. The Dodgers have like ten starting pitchers anyway, um, and so it, 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 it. But it's it's one of those classic win win deals. That's the way it's supposed to work, right? Yeah. It's not a it's not a earth shattering move for the Braves, Although but I like this be. season a lot better right now, knowing that they don't have Kemp, knowing that yes. they don't pay Kemp in twenty nineteen, knowing they got a couple of veteran arms without going out there and trading prospects for them, which I really didn't want them to do at this point. Um, the Braves are not a contending team in twenty eighteen, um, but it looks a whole lot better for twenty nineteen going right. forward because n- none is. of the money they took on is for 2019 right. or beyond. It's all just this year. And Manny Machado and Bryce Harper and lots of other people are available for 2019. So that's right. the time you want money. If you've got half a billion dollars to spend, they can sure. be yours. And I'm Pretty not exaggerating, you know. I mean, yeah. We might be talking about that much. Clayton Kershaw is a free agent, for that matter. I don't think he's leaving. Probably not. Um, but what we're really here to talk about, because that's really all the news, is Bob Horner. Yes. Um, speaking of overweight people injured frequently, <laughs> they're, that's, cr- that's cruel to both Matt Kemp and Bob Horner, I suppose, although accurate as to uh, both. Um, very different players in so many ways, but they have those two things in Bob common. Horner. People always complained about Bob Horner not being in shape, and even much more so than Matt Kemp. The guy couldn't stay healthy. That's, yeah. Those are the main things people remember about Bob Horner, right? He, he retired after his age 30 season in 1988 and had only played 1,020 games. And he retired after playing for St. Louis for a few years, which was after a year he played in Actually, Japan due to collusion. I think it was only one year in St. Louis. Yeah, um, it was. The Braves, you know, the Braves let him go. He became a free agent after, what, seven or eight years, very, very good years with the Braves. And nobody would sign him. He went to Japan for a year, came back, and played for the Cardinals for part of a year, injured as usual, and hung it up at age 30, um, which is really, I mean, he, he still had kind of a long major league career in that, you know, he never played in the minor leagues. Right. I'm getting ahead and, of ourselves. We'll, well go back to the beginning. I wanted to start at the end because I think that colors a lot of perceptions of Bob Horner. Sure. He... Probably could have been more, but if you go back to the beginning, in 1978, was there anyone more exciting as a prospect in baseball than Bob Horner? 
uh, I, look, I was a big Braves fan, as you know, in those very bad days of the late 70s. The Braves were an abysmal franchise. We've talked about how things took such a turn for the worse in the middle part of that decade. And all of a sudden, Dale Murphy, we talked about, starts to look pretty good. Um, like, this guy may just make it. Um, and then, and they had a couple of, they had Glenn Hubbard coming along. They looked like he'd be a good middle infielder. And then in the draft, they picked Bob Horner. Um, we're talking about the June draft of 1978, mm -hmm. but one of the most remarkable things about him is he never played a day in the minor leagues. They immediately Literally signed never. him, and, and he immediately became their starting third baseman. Uh, but when we say he never played in the minor leagues, we mean not even in a rehab stint. Yeah, I guess that's right. I didn't even realize that. With all the times he was injured, he never did that either. Right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that and, wasn't and, really a thing until the 90s, but... I guess that, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I don't, but in any event, I remember it so well because there was just there been just no good news for the Braves. And the Braves actually had flashes of playing a little bit better in 78. I mean, the final record was still pretty abysmal. Um, but there, there were a couple of other highlights. That was the year that the Braves broke Pete Rose's 44-game hitting streak. Um, Gene Garber was a good relief pitcher. They had the young Larry McWilliams on the mound, one of the many young Braves pitchers over the, that 20-year stretch that looked like he might turn into a good major leaguer and didn't. He did. But he was looking good that year. Um, and but the, but the most exciting thing that year was, was the number one pick overall in the draft. Um, he wasn't just the number one. He was, he was the number one mm -hmm. pick that year out of Arizona State, where he had been just a phenomenal, phenomenal. college hitter. So I have yeah. his numbers from college in front of me. Oh, okay. And, you know, college baseball is different, all that. But, well, first of all, he hit nine home runs as a freshman. Freshmen don't play. Right. Like, this was a record until Barry Bonds at Arizona State. Um, Horner was also a local kid. He had grown up in Glendale, Arizona, went to Apollo High School. I just wanted to say the name Apollo High School because I think it's funny. <laughs> but he went to Arizona State his sophomore year as a 19-year-old, year before he's draft eligible. He hits 389. He walks 33 times in 65 games. He only strikes out 27 times. So he's already got a good eye. He hits 22 home runs, 17 doubles, 3 triples. He knocks in 87 runs in 65 games. That's only a preview of the next year. The next yeah. year, he hits 412. He walks 43 times. Unfortunately, I don't have intentional walks. That had to be a few of them. Uh, in 60 games, he hits 25 home runs, which, if I'm reading my sources right, was a record for college baseball in one season. 20 doubles, one triple, he knocked in 100 runs and scored 81 in 60 games. Wow. I mean, yeah. that is production. He managed to uh, have a triple slash numbers of 412, 502, 819. He was the College World Series MVP for the winners. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, they, they, were, they were phenomenal. Um, and he goes straight from that to the majors. And it kind of works. By the way, interesting thing about him in college, he was the second baseman. Yeah, well, and if anybody has a mental image of Bob Horner, um, to think about him playing in the middle infield is, I mean, hard to imagine. Well, and, and there was never any thought of him playing second yeah. base in the major leagues. He started um, at, at third base his first game as a Brave, and that's where he always played with the Braves. He got some time at first, occasionally. Yeah. 
Uh, Which should exactly. tell you about how good he was as a third baseman. <laughs> yeah. What I remember about him defensively was the guy had no range at all. I mean, I'm sure he had some, but uh, he had pretty good hands and a yeah. pretty good arm. Um, you know, if the ball was hit relatively near him, um, he would come up with it cleanly. He'd throw somebody out. That's that's not a bad – those aren't bad skills to have. Um, but he, he didn't cover a lot of ground over there at the hot corner. Uh, he was not known as a good defensive third baseman because he wasn't. Uh, but, man, the guy could hit. <laughs> uh, and he's also probably in the category of players – that you would never teach a little leaguer to play like. His swing, yeah. which you remember well, and I have only looked oh, at yeah. later, was this weird quick twitch, just like no it, it movement. Was, it, wasn't, one it, 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 it wasn't weird in the sense that it was kind of classic. If, if you could teach that, that'd right. be great. But I don't know that anybody else could. He had the quickest stroke through the through the zone of, of anybody you'd ever want to see standing, you know, kind of perfectly still with the bat still and boom, that bat is right through there. And it probably wasn't as fast through the zone as, I don't know, Gary Sheffield, yeah. if you measured such things, but Sheffield had a lot more movement leading into it. Horner, he's just standing there and, you know, not, not a big hip turn, not, not a big leg kick, not holding the bat up high or anything like that. It's just quick right through there. And he hit the ball hard. <laughs> And part of this leads to he was kind of a strange guy in terms of physicality and build. He just yeah. did things other people couldn't. And as a 20-year-old... He looked dumpy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that for... Again, I, I don't mean to be critical of people being overweight. I, I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> but but the truth is, he never looked like an athlete out there. Right. Obviously, he's a great athlete, great hand-eye coordination and all of that. But he just didn't look felt, or he didn't look smooth out there, except when he was swinging a bat. Yeah, and it was a smooth swing. And so his first season in the majors, which was only eighty nine games, because he spent the first half in college, yeah. uh, he hit two sixty six, but walked twenty four times in eighty nine games, and most importantly, hit twenty three home runs in just three hundred twenty three at bats. Enough to earn him, if I remember correctly, Rookie of the Year honors, right? Which is insane. Even if he only played, he, he only played half a season. He, it was just before the All Star break, really late I mean, June before he I came up see with the Braves. Who else was challenging that, but like, well, he I beat out Ozzy Smith. Yeah, he beat out Ozzy Smith. I think it was number two. He <laughs> played right. the entire season, and yeah. while well, he was not a good hitter then, Ozzy Smith could not hit a lick when he first came up. He actually hit um, two fifty eight that year, which was higher than I would have guessed if you had asked yeah. me when he hit a rookie. But everybody realized Ozzy Smith was a generational talent defensively, and, right? But that wasn't enough to overcome Bob Horner's but 23 Bob home Horner runs in 89 in games, yeah. just blows it away. And it's and now you have Horner and Murphy, which right was one of the problems with the early 80s Braves that they were way too susceptible to the double play. That may be. You know, I hadn't looked at the stats, but that wouldn't surprise me. Well, you have Murphy uh, and Horner, two right-handed hitters, back-to-back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he does hit into seven double plays in 1978. And it's sort of a consistent problem, because, again, he's not that fast. He's a right-handed power hitter. Yeah. And Murphy's on first a lot, yeah. of course. That's the other thing. Um, and, or Glenn Hubbard ahead of him. Uh, 
but it's it's a weird team, and Bob Horner is a weird player and might be representative of it in a way. Is that fair? Um, yeah, that may be. Um, because in a lot of ways, we talked about the 82 season in depth last offseason. We did seasons step by step. Right. Um, we talked about it with Murphy, sort of the development of this team. But in 1979, you have a 21-year-old third baseman who hits 314 with 33 home runs. Yeah. But he also was only in 121 games because he would miss random games. It's just what he did. He also only hit 15 doubles and hit into nine double plays. So it's like a weird way to hit 314 with 33 home runs. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see what you mean. And um, you're still excited. He's 21 years old and doing this, but he's a strange player. I mean, there's just no way around it. Like, I'm looking at these numbers, and as a 22-year-old in 1980, he hits 268 and only has 27 walks. So he's only got a 307 on base percentage, but he hits 35 home runs. What are guys doing throwing it anywhere in the zone near this guy? Yeah, uh, he could crush it. Uh, uh, he hit the ball hard, like yeah. I say. Um, I mean, he is clearly not doing so hot, but by 1982, he comes back around. He's an all-star for the first time, yeah. hitting 261. The Braves are the division leaders from the start. Uh, everything has come together. Horn, Horn, Murphy is the MVP, and we talked about mm-hmm. him, but Horner is the guy in the lineup right behind him, uh, and what a what a middle-of-the-order combination that was. That was pretty great. Um the rest of the team offensively was weird and problematic. True. Uh, no real <laughs> stars otherwise. Um, but the, those two in the middle of the order were as good as it got. And we've talked about it before. This should have been the start of something bigger. But, you know, their first baseman was the 33-year-old Chris Chambliss. Yeah. Um, all, always overrated. Um, he, was, he was an RBI guy. He was... It's never a great off. I mean, great guy. You know, he went on to have mm-hmm. great post playing career and um, in uniform and uh, great clubhouse guy. Maybe he's a great guy to have, but he wasn't. He wasn't a dominant offensive right. player. Uh, he happened to play on teams. He played on you know the great Yankees teams of the late seventies and drove in a lot of runs. Um, they had Claudel Washington in the outfield, who was a very talented player. Uh, although another guy who came up very young and never quite lived up to his his billing. Uh, but he he did pretty well for the Braves. But um, the real stars were Horner and Murphy. It was it was it was Murphy and Horner. That was that was it. And they didn't really have any pitchers either, other than the aging Phil Negro. <laughs> um, so uh, we should note they also had the thirty-six-year-old Bob Watson on that team for no good reason. Why would you do that? Yeah, actually, Watson was a star because. Uh, more and more, Watson started to play first base against tough left-handed pitchers to give Shamless a break, but he was a phenomenal pinch hitter, too. Sure. Watson, uh, he, you know, it was it was a last hurrah for a guy who had been a pretty good hitter, but he, he had a lot of great moments for that team. <laughs> I remember him finally. He had a 744 OPS is what I'm staring at. Whatever. He, he had some big moments in my memory. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But, yeah. You know, in some ways, this team relied going forward on Murphy and Horner. Oh, right. Murphy would there, be... There was going to be a dynasty. A young, yeah. Both these guys very young at this point. Murphy uh, would be a two-time about... MVP. Right. Horner had a great season in 83. Right. But in 104 and, games. Until, until he broke his wrist, which was uh, the beginning of the end for the guy. He had, he had fought injuries up to that point. Yeah. Um, 
but I remember it so well. He broke his wrist um, in 83 toward the end of the year in August, I guess. Uh, tried to come back, um, I think. He broke it again at the beginning of the 84 season. And, you know, hitters and wrists, that is tough to overcome. And although, you know, he, he, he continued to play and he could still hit home runs, um, he didn't, he just, what was the most games he ever played in a season, Will? You got his baseball reference. 141, which was 86. But the uh-huh. other one was 140 and 82. 82 was really the high point. Well, and you notice. Boy, that 82, 83 season was amazing. Yeah. What, what kind of numbers was he putting up So it was 104 games. Yeah. So only 439 plate appearances and 386 at-bats. But he hit 303 that year. And in those 386 at-bats, he had 20 home runs and 25 yeah. doubles. And as he said, he wasn't a fast guy. He so, was so his slugging was obviously game. very good. He also uh, walked 50 times in just 439 plate appearances. Yeah, the so, guy was really coming into his own. Yeah, and he 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 was he had not even yet entered his prime age years. He was you know, twenty five. Bill James, he's twenty five years old. He's already been an established big leaguer for like four or five years, but he's just coming into his prime, his best season yet. And as I say, he he ended up uh, with a season ending injury. He re injured it. He had all kinds of other injuries at that point. Um, and he always did have a weight problem. There was I can't remember the details now, but he signed a contract with the Braves that had a weight clause in it. And he had he had to show up for weigh-ins like every other Friday or something. Um, and it, I think it was 215 he had to be below or else he got penalized. I mean, it was, it was an embarrassing thing, really. On the other hand, maybe it was important. But notwithstanding that, uh, he just could never stay healthy the rest of the way. I mean, uh, if, when he was healthy, he could always yeah. hit. That was never an issue. I mean, the guy who was there in '83, and he wasn't a great third baseman, but by this point, he was actually able to kind of hold his own. I mean, uh-huh. he was negative 1.3 defensive WAR according to Baseball Reference, but like, he's not dragging it down so much. He's a third baseman. You could maybe move him to first, and he'd still hit. But he didn't do anything after this. I mean, he has some okay years. Part of the problem, though, is not Horner's fault. And I'm not even talking about the injuries. Um, the, he, he became a free agent. What year did he go to Japan? 87. It was the collusion right. year. At the end of 86, um, his contract was up, and the Braves didn't make him an offer he was willing to take. So he went on to the open market. And obviously, this is a guy who has tremendous value, even though he's had the injuries, even mm-hmm. though at this point, he's not as young as he used to be. He's not 30 yet. He's like 28, and right? 85 and 86, he has very similar seasons. 130 yeah. games and 141. He's not in the lineup every day. So he's been fairly du- I mean, durable. I mean, right. you know, he's... He hit 267 and 273. He hit 27 home runs both years. Yeah. Um, he walked 50 and then 52 times. You can't tell me there weren't a lot of major league teams that would love to have a bat like that in their lineup. And, and yet the, the damn owners um, illegally conspired mm-hmm. uh, just not to sign free agents. And uh, the, it, by the it way, hurt Horner. It hurt yeah. Tim Raines. It hurt a lot of people. Well, the famous um, story about Andre Dawson that year was he went to the Cubs and said, you put whatever you want down there and I'll sign it. Yeah. Because no one else was giving him an offer. Right. And at that point, you can't really 
agree not to. Tim Raines missed like the first month of the season, I think. Right. Because he just yep. didn't have a contract. Um, but Bob Horner goes to Japan and plays for the Occult Swallows and is probably like the best hitter in the Japanese Central League, although finding that leadership board is weird. But he hits 327 there. Oh, yeah. He apparently was a real star. He was the highest played player in Japan. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, 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 he was it was a big deal. I mean, I remember getting reports about that. And, and apparently they were willing to pay him a lot of money to stay. Um, and and he wanted he wanted to try his hand at made American Major League Baseball again. So he signs with the Cardinals. But, but I don't remember the details, but injuries again dogged him. And, and that was it. By age 30, he, he hung it up. And he only played 60 games before injuring his left shoulder. He went to spring training with the Orioles in 1989, but then announced his retirement. And that was it. I mean, it's yeah. it's so weird. Um, he kind of, you know, he's not one of these guys who became a uh, coach later or anything else. So it's really weird um, that that's how his career ended because it began so spectacularly. And, you know, I have a list of players who went straight to Major League Baseball. And for people who don't know, there was a bonus baby rule where right, if you signed a massive 50s. contract, you had to, like, go straight to the majors for, like, a year or two. And these and, people didn't and most of them, they just sat on the bench. It was, it, they took right. up a roster spot and they weren't contributive. I mean, some of people ended up being excellent major league players eventually but these are a lot of people 18 years old right out of high school no way they were ready and the rule was if you got a certain amount of money as a bonus you had to be on the major league roster i'm not sure what the point of all that was but it it, it led to the it, draft it work out eventually right that's the yeah, why there was that's a draft, exactly right to get rid of this yeah. crap um but really in terms of guys who jumped in and were contributors there were some other people who Technically never played in the minors, although this includes like Herb Washington, pinch runner extraordinaire, who was a gimmick. Oh, well, yeah, that's, he never really played in the majors, he right. just pinch ran. Um, and also another Charlie Finley stunt. Catfish Hunter never played in the minors. He went straight from uh, high school in North Carolina to the Kansas City A's because the Kansas City A's were terrible and it was a thing. Yeah, but I remember there was a huge story. What was the guy's name? David Clyde, who was drafted yep. right out of high school by the Rangers and started. I mean, you know, 18 year old high school pitchers aren't ready to pitch in the major no. leagues either, but that was all, that was generally a publicity stunt by bad teams. And Clyde was a local kid and he played in the majors for a while. But Horner, it sounds like the best of the bunch, right? But it's, well, no. The other guy that's comparable is Dave Winfield. Oh, Winfield, right. And out of Winfield, college. of course, yes. as much as Horner didn't look like an athlete, Dave Winfield is a candidate for best athlete to ever play in Major League Baseball. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Winfield was drafted in three sports. Yeah, he was an absolute star as a, as a college basketball player. He didn't actually um, play college football. He just was drafted in football because they were like, this guy could People do looked at him and said, this guy's a tight end. And he he, never, pro- he, he probably would have been, given the kind of yeah. athlete he was and the size um, he was. <laughs> but, you know, Bob Horner had nothing to recommend him other than he could turn on a fastball. He could do that, yep. Uh, whereas Dave um, Winfield was a great all-around athlete. 
who then got stuck at the Padres. And one of the great virtues of that quick swing is it's hard to fool a guy like Horner. Yes, mm-hmm. he, he could get around on anybody's fastball, but because he didn't have to start his swing so early and he didn't gear up with the big leg kick and all that other stuff, um, you know, it, you, you could throw him an all-speed pitch. He could drive that one, too. Uh, the guy the guy could hit. And, and it's really a shame. I'm not sure if there were physical reasons that he just decided it wasn't worth going forward or he's just fed up with the, the, the ownership after being treated so badly. Um, but it's it's remarkable to see a guy retire that young. But, I mean, he <laughs> injures his left shoulder after playing poorly for 60 games with St. Louis. Right. I mean, at a certain point, you just got to think you're snake bit. That's true. He, he'd, he'd had wrist and shoulder and leg injuries, so... Yeah, at some point, it's just not worth it. Um, he never made that much money playing Major League Baseball. If I remember correctly, he did ultimately get some money out of that settlement when they yeah. finally proved the owners were colluding. Um, not as much as he would have gotten had he gotten a decent contract. Like and he, he presumably made a lot of yen that one year. Well, he did, <laughs> right. Um, I don't really know exactly what it means, but um, yeah. it's, you know... But, but Horner, and we talked about Murphy, we, we've been, part of the reason to focus on the past and players and teams from the past is to shed light on the on the present. The Braves, you know, look like they might be a young dynasty. They had a young infield in their early 20s that included, you know, Hubbard and Ramirez and Bob Horner. They had the MVP center fielder in his mid-20s. Um, they had other good young talent coming along. Um like Brad Kamensk and you know Brett Butler, sure, um, yeah, um, Brooke Jacoby. Uh, none of these people ever turned out um, to be stars for the Braves for any extended period of time. Hubbard was a damn good major leaguer. Murphy was, you know, a MVP and borderline Hall of Famer. And yet, by the late, by the mid '80s, '85, '86, and '87. Um, this, the team that looked so promising in the early 80s was terrible because things happen. Murphy couldn't play anymore after he early 30s. Horner couldn't either. Um, I, I guess it's a cautionary note. Um, you got to have lots of quantity in addition to quality when you're relying on prospects, right? Right. Braves also didn't develop any pitchers, which is a yeah. crucial difference between that rebuild and the one we're looking at with the Braves. The Braves don't have any prospects offensively though um other than acuna coming along that look like they're in in you know the murphy horner kind of prospect well i mean maybe austin riley will turn into a great hitter um i'm not counting albies anymore he's already a major leaguer and acuna is right on the cusp but you know a couple of years down the line they might have had they not had to forfeit all their international signings but um but i think the other thing that horner can teach you is things happen Oh right? yeah, that's that's what you got to know. Yep. Because think about Horner in July of '83. Yeah, everyone he, must he have thought he was 25 years old. Um, he this was is establishing himself as one of the best hitters in the major leagues. He's got at least a decade left of being dominant. And, and if he was still sure with the Braves a decade later, yeah, he would have been there when the pitchers finally came along. That's right. Um, but and he, he and Murphy could have could have led the way as aging veterans, but didn't work out. No, because they didn't age well as veterans. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, weirdly, after talking but about again, you never know falling yep. off a cliff. Horner did it worse, and in a way, Bob Horner is almost a tragic figure in baseball history to me. 
Because yep. when you think, and it's that thing that I just said, Bob Horner in July of 1983 was one of the best hitters in baseball. And, I mean, if he, if he had to move to first soon, yeah, he's still a great hitter. He did hit four home runs in a game for the Braves yep. right at the end of his career with the Braves. That's not that that's just one of those freak stats that doesn't mean that much. There, there's some other people that have um, done that. that he was also the second player in Major League history to do that in a game the team lost. Yeah, that, that's the story of the Braves, isn't it? <laughs> hit four home runs yep. in a game and your team lose. Um, he also set a record, which Sammy Sosa later broke. Uh, of going the longest without hitting a grand slam in terms of career home runs, he hit a grand slam for the first time in his 211th That's career funny. home run. Yeah. Uh, but you know, here's a guy who, without injuries, without collusion, you gotta think would have been a spectacular career. Yeah. But that's not what was supposed to I happen. That's the way it works. Um, we are finally getting to the 90s Braves next week, although we've got to figure out exactly how we're going to record everything, and meaning who and what order. But right. I, I think we should start with Glavin, because he's the guy who came up first. Well, we're finally going to start talking about players that you have a memory of, yes. instead of just reading about. So, um, yeah, I'm always glad to talk about Tom Glavin, and in some ways he's always been my favorite. Um, but we, there, there are and lots of great players to talk about. That's true. Uh, Not my favorite announcer, but well, no, <laughs> I loved him as a pitcher. Better than Joe. Anyway, yeah, uh, that's not a high bar. I I am glad we talked about Bob Horner, but it is funny that it feels like, oh, now we're getting to the 90s Braves. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of sad in its own way, but that is what we'll do uh, over the uh, next few weeks to start to get into that. We are actually going to be around each other in person the next few weeks, but I don't know when we're going to talk about we'll, this. We'll uh, just have to leave our fans in suspense. But, but we are going to tell whenever and wherever we are, we'll record and we'll talk about the Braves, right? Uh, we are going to be at the Rose Bowl game to watch Georgia play Oklahoma live and in person. Yes, we and certainly will. Go dogs! Whatever we record after that, will probably show our mood based on what happened there. Just fair <laughs> right. warning, either way. Um, I'm excited to be there. Whatever happens, yes. Uh, the granddaddy of them all, um, which I might then resent, which stinks because it's like 15 minutes from my house and I see it when I go places I have to for work. Yeah. Uh, On the other hand, it may be one of your great... I know. We could go either way. way. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, but whatever happens, whatever our mood will be, we will talk about the Braves uh, every week right here on the Channel 17 podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network. Uh, you can find every single one of our episodes, including this whole off-season series on Great Braves players, at ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com or on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you're listening on either of those platforms, please leave a rating and leave a review as well as subscribing. That'll help us out immensely. You can also uh, follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening and see you next week.